You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. They were led to a place called the Skull. There, the soldiers nailed Jesus to the cross. They also nailed the criminals to crosses beside Jesus, one on the right and the other one on the left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. The soldiers threw dice to divide Jesus' clothes between them. The people stood there watching everything. The Jewish leaders laughed at Jesus. They said, if he's God's chosen one, the Messiah, let him save himself. He saved others, didn't he? Even the soldiers laughed at Jesus and made fun of him. They came and offered him some sour wine, and they said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. At the top of the cross, these words were written, This is the king of the Jews. Church, it's great to, great to be with you today. Um, it's cool that it's Friday. Um, we're going to meet here again on Sunday, and I'd encourage you to come on Sunday as well. Sunday is an amazing day. Today we reflect on the death of Jesus, but he didn't stay dead. <laughs> and on Sunday we, get, we celebrate his resurrection back to life. So please come again on Sunday. My name's Joash. For those of you that I haven't met before, I'm a volunteer pastor here at City on the Hill. Hello. Hello. Um, and it's super exciting to be able to um, share and, and lead us in a reflection time on what the cross of Jesus means to us. Maybe Good Friday, you can tell the tone of our service today. Maybe Good Friday doesn't feel very good. I certainly feel a weight attached to the tone of the service today. We've been talking and those readings, uh, they point us to the sin and the brokenness in the world. How is it a good day when we remember that someone died? My son, Levi, is five years old. When we read the Bible to him, when we get to the bit of the crucifixion, there's pictures in his storybook of, of people crying. And it's, it's bad, you know. Someone died, it's bad. But he looks at me with his big eyes and goes, Dad, but it's actually good. It's actually good. Those people, they want it to be bad, but it's actually good, isn't it? <laughs> and it's true. It is good. And I want to just spend 10 or 15 minutes now exploring that. I want us to, I, I want to kind of knit together some of those readings that we've just gone through right from the creation of the world when it was good. Understanding where sin came from, this feeling that we have, this heaviness, why is that there? Where does that come from? and then explore what God did in order to fix it. There's this sort of story arc that we see in the Bible right from the start through to the end. You know, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Four headings that I want to weave us through. And it's just, that story arc is something that resonates enormously with us as humans. There's so many movies and books and narratives. If you think about it, that's the story arc that they go through as well. Something was good. It started all good. Things broke. Some hero has to come and fix it and make things work again. They're just copying this story. This is where that story and that story arc 
comes from. It's God's story, and he's articulated it for us in the Bible. I also want to encourage you as I'm talking, Louis mentioned that there's handouts that you've got, pieces of paper. There's pens over here and there's more paper over here. As I'm talking, please consider we're going to talk about sin, sin, the thing that separates us from God, that thing that sits and weighs heavy on us. I'd encourage you to, if you haven't written anything down yet, to continue to reflect on what that thing is that makes you feel heavy. When you think about the thing that makes you feel like you're a bad person, like you can't be right with God, like you can't be right with other people, like you're useless and worthless because of something that sits inside you, please, I'd encourage you to write that down. No one's going to see it, and we're going to see at the end of the service how God dealt with that thing. So if you, if you don't have pen, if you don't have paper, um, there's pen and paper over here. Um, uh, I'd encourage you, it won't be rude, get up and go on and, and do that and, and write something down as I'm talking. So where did all of this start? Let's look at creation, the creation of the world, the first reading that we looked at. Johan read that for us. And when God made the world, it was good. Everything was good. There was no sin. People live forever. Picture perhaps you're perfect. If you shut your eyes and think about what is the most perfect scenario that there could be, perhaps do that. For me, my ideal scene, I grew up on a farm, family farm. I picture it was sitting up on a big hill where you had an amazing view across mountains. There's a creek that ran just behind the hill. I picture my friends and family sitting there around a fire a bit like this with a barbecue. There's broken relationships in my family in the town that I grew up in. They're not there anymore. None of those things that broke any of that exist. Everyone's just there having a good time. It's ideal sort of scenario. That's what it was like at the start, except also... God, who made us, made that hill, made the people that we're with, also came down and he sat around the fire too. People were in perfect relationship with the person who made them. Their purpose was clear in the world. They were created like God and God was with them and they were all together. There was nothing that separated people from God. Sounds pretty good to me. But it didn't stay like that, for, did it? We, we, as we go on in the readings, we see that people chose their, their own path. There's a fall, something broke, broke in the world. God gave people only one thing not to do. He let people have a choice to follow him or to go their own way. That one thing he told them not to do, they did. They put themselves before God. They believed a lie that they could become more like God. They were already in his, made in his image like God, but they wanted more. And that broke everything. The ideal scene 
where God comes and he sits around the fire at the top of the hill on the farm, that can't happen anymore. People have deliberately chosen to put themselves before God, to go their own way. And God, being perfect, can no longer sit around with a a bunch of people that are not perfect. It mars his character. And since then, things have continued to break from then on. Through Adam and Eve, through that story that we read, sin entered all of us. And we see that the people's that their, their response was perhaps similar to ours, similar to how we feel today. There was guilt, there was shame, there was hiding. When God comes down for a walk in the garden to sit around the fire and talk to them, they go and hide. They can't be with God. They know that there's something in them that means that they can't sit with God. They don't even want to look at him. And we do the same thing. We know that there's something in us that's not supposed to be there. And the result of that, the end result of that, it's pretty harsh. It's death. Adam and Eve before then were not going to die but they die. <laughs> they, sin entered the world and broke things. And the end result of all of that brokenness is people all die. I feel like the, most, the time when I see that the world is most broken is at someone's funeral. There's something in all of us that sits at a funeral and knows, hey, this isn't supposed to happen. The world around us, though, perhaps tries to tell us that this sin, this weight that we feel, shouldn't be there. The world tries to tell us that there's actually no absolute truth, that we're at our most free and our most human when we're freed from tradition, we're freed from morality, and we are in control of the absolute definition of what's right and wrong. But the world around us is wrong. There is right and wrong. We can feel it. And God's created us to be our most human, our most alive, when we live in the way that he designed us to live. But God knew the brokenness that people chose to bring into the world, that they couldn't get out of it on their own. This brokenness that Adam and Eve brought, that we all live with and deal with and feel today, God knew that there was no way out. People were stuck now. He sat back and gone, what have you done? You can't get out of this on your own. God in the Bible, he actually actually uses the word slavery to help us understand how stuck we are in this state of sin. The world's that broken. People are pretty good at fixing things. We're good at problem solving and using technology to make the world better. This problem, we can't fix it. There's no way for us to do it. And God knew that. And right from the start when people broke it, he promised right then that he was going to step in and he was going to fix it. He was going to set us free from the slavery and from the brokenness that people willingly chose to do. At great cost to himself, he would step in, he'd fix it. 
And we see this in Genesis 3, just after people choose to rebel against God and go their own way, God promises, hey, this brokenness you just introduced, it's not going to be like that forever. God loves us that much. He doesn't want us to live in that spot. And the story of the Old Testament is so much in here. God acts. It's only in a couple of chapters later, there's a fair bit of elapsed time. But in Genesis 12, there's a man called Abraham. And he promises to Abraham that through this family, the whole world would be blessed. That this brokenness that's come into the world, through you, Abraham, and your family, I'm going to fix it. And this is Israel. There's Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and it turns into the nation, the nation of Israel. And through Israel, God chose Israel to be the people that he would interact with, that we could learn about his character through, and that every, all the other nations could watch and learn and interact with God through Abraham and his people. And the story of the Old Testament of the Bible, the first three quarters of it, is this cycle that goes over and over. With the people of Israel, they sin. They continue to participate in the ongoing brokenness of the world. They have guilt. They're far from God. God sends leaders to help, to point them back to God, to say, hey, this is how I want you to live. And God designs and implements a sacrificial system where, the, where animals are sacrificed. The punishment for sin, the death that we know that we deserve, that we talk about, is taken out on an animal that's sacrificed. There's this visual reminder for people that, yeah, something has to die as a result of the brokenness in the world. The Israelites go in this cycle where they follow God. They have a great leader that goes, guys, this is how we need to live for God. This is how we deal with sin. While there is a strong leader, we've just looked at the book of Joshua in our um, sermon series leading up to Easter. While Joshua is there, the people go, great, they follow God. When Joshua dies, the people fall away. There's a cycle of 2,000 years of people coming, having a great leader, following them. The leader dies and the next generation falls away. There's this ongoing loop of brokenness. There's got to be something more than this ongoing loop of brokenness. And there is. <laughs> God promised right at the start that it wouldn't end this way. That loop of brokenness points us more and more to the need that we have for a different type of leader. God promised to send a leader not like those other ones, not like Abraham and Moses and Joshua and David. A leader whose kingdom was not of the earth. It confused the people of Israel. They were looking forward to this new leader that would come. This is in the time of Jesus now. They were waiting for another physical leader to come and set them free. They were under Roman occupation at the time, that time when we read in the gospel, of, um, the, the gospel of Jesus. They were waiting for another leader to come, a physical leader to come and get rid of the Romans. We're going to establish the nation state of Israel again. 
But Jesus came, the promised Messiah of God. He didn't do that. He came to bring the kingdom of God to the earth, to fix the brokenness once and for all, to set us free from the guilt, the shame, and the pointlessness that entered the world so long ago. The leaders that lived and died before that, they couldn't do that. They couldn't take that away. Animals still had to die as a sacrifice for sin. Jesus came as the Lamb of, the, Lamb of God who would die once and for all to take away the sin forever. There is a cost to sin. Something, us, deserve to die because of that sin. We feel the weight of it and the cost that we deserve. But as we've read about, Jesus bore that cost for us. Jesus, born of God, he didn't have this brokenness in him. He was the perfect son, the perfect lamb of God. He lived a perfect life, a life that we couldn't live on earth. And he died on the cross as punishment for our sin. My favorite Bible verse is 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, He who knew no sin, that's Jesus, he'd never sinned, he knew no sin, became sin for us. So that we might be the righteousness of God in him. When Jesus was on the cross, and he said, it's finished. That's what was finished. The sin of the world, the punishment for the sin of the world was gone at that point. And God's promises as a result of that, they're pretty cool. <laughs> as far, God says, as far as the east is from the west, God's removed our sin from us. It's a long way, trying to connect the east and the west. They're gone. God promises, promises us that our sin will be remembered no more because of what happened on the cross. You, perhaps, this weight that's on you, perhaps you think about it every day. You think about how rubbish you feel and how bad you are and it comes back to you and back to you and back to you. You can't forget about it. You keep doing the things that you don't want to do. God doesn't do that. He doesn't even remember. You go to God and say, hey, God, that thing that I keep doing, he's like, what thing? <laughs> I don't remember that. It's gone. It's finished. When the punishment for that thing was born on the cross, we no longer have to be slaves and trapped in that feeling of guilt and shame and pointlessness. It's finished. And so what does God ask of us? Does he ask us to be right and good and earn our spot to try and be right with God? No, that's not what he does. That's why he came, because he knew that we were stuck, that we couldn't do it. He asks us to have a belief and acceptance in his death in our place on the cross, a recognition that we actually can't do it on our own, and a recognition and a belief that he is king. 
This good news that we hear about on Sunday is that he didn't stay dead. He bore the punishment for our sin. He took all of it and he was laid in a tomb for three days and he beat it. (laughs) He beat death. He rose again and is still the living and reigning king. And he's given us jobs to do now. He fixed the brokenness. He, he created a mechanism to take the sin out of our lives and out of the world. We can be made right with God through what he did on the cross. But now there's still so much brokenness to work through. The world isn't back to how it was in creation yet. We're personally being restored, given hope, given purpose, given meaning and love that we can turn both inward and recognize who we are and who God made us to be, but also turn outward into the world around us and look to restore and bring God's love to those, the communities and the people around us. We have a job to do with him, making the world a better place as a result of the freedom that we have in him through his death on the cross. Brett's going to come up and play and sing a couple of songs for us. What I'd encourage us to do as Brett is playing and singing for us is to continue to consider, if you haven't already, the sin that you feel weighs heavy on your heart, the thing that you feel separates you from God. You don't have to be separated from God because of that thing anymore. It's finished. When Jesus died on the cross, he said it's finished. If you've written something on that piece of paper, if you've got something in your head, perhaps even, that you haven't written down, but you're thinking about something, I'd encourage you as Brett's playing, come up, take that piece of paper and place it in that fire. It goes up in smoke. It's gone. The thing that you wrote down that separates you from God, no one's going to look at it. No one needs to read it. Don't leave it in your Bible and think about it anymore. Get rid of it. Put it in the fire. And just like you will no longer see that thing anymore, it's a pretty strong and physical representation of what what God sees of your sin in accepting Jesus' death on the cross. It's not there anymore. It is finished. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.